The video part is the hallmark of our culture. The chemistry of high-octane surfing combined with slick editing and a moving soundtrack has a unique capacity to embed itself into surfing's collective consciousness and inspire us all to surf more. When it's done well, a video part's impact can be as seismic as a contest win or even a world title. It is, however, an endangered species. Welcome to The Drop. My name is Danny Johnson. This week on the show, we've got a huge announcement. It's a huge announcement for fans, but it's an even bigger announcement and an opportunity for pro surfers. That will be covered off by the stab cusp end of the podcast. Mikey and Stace will talk you through that. If you can't wait to hear that, then skip on through to about 42-minute mark or so. They'll also cover off some, some more WSL finals chat and uh, a compass running right now, the US Open of Surfing. But before we get into that, let's cover off the week in surf news like we always do with Stab's editor-in-chief, Brendan Big Dick Power Surfer Buckley. I recently learned that you're living in a prison state. <laughs> it's so funny the amount of international news you read about Australia's, yeah, uh, COVID measures and... And it's, when you actually live here, you don't see that in any way, <laughs> shape, or form whatsoever. I've never, I haven't even heard of, I haven't heard of it. So, I mean, maybe certain. I, I ha, I'm got, I'm really lucky and happen to live in an area that's not so buttoned down. But maybe I'm just oblivious to what some people are being forced to do, which is basically just uh, quarantine. I mean, what is it called? Just what's it called? Lockdown. You know, just don't breathe on people is the general rule. I mean, I think you should have Conan Hayes look into it because uh, <laughs> I've I've heard that it's a prison state run by the UN or something. So you might want to look into that. It might be nice, you know, it might be sunny, there's some waves, whatever, but uh, not all prisons, some prisons have waves, I guess, and are sunny. All right, guys, this is it. All right, our top story this week is the U.S. Open of Surfing. We are a Challenger Series fan podcast at our core, uh-huh. and yep. this is the first Challenger Series event. So we are very excited. Um, this is huge. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. We've had we've had parties to fund this. We've had a lot going on, and so we're very happy. Everybody's eating their potato salad down there and uh, grinding out some heats. Yeah, I mean, the US Open's always a big deal. And if you look at the list of winners, it's it's always been, despite the fact that it's not a world-class wave and it rarely gets big for the event, it's, it's just this weird closeout reform into another closeout. But it's just, it's just, what is it about that event that just makes it so magical? Well, this is, next year it goes back, but this is the first year that it's going to be held well, the first year in like kind of recent history that's going to be held in September. Usually it's midsummer. And so I think some of the U.S. Open magic usually comes back to that, just like midsummer, big kind of gathering of people. And, you know, you get together, you maybe have a few beers, you might riot. It's, it's magic, you know? Um, yeah. It's, I've been down there before. It's a wild scene on the beach. Have and you, you've attended? The, oh, I've, I've attended and... I think like most people there, I, I, there's so much chaos just surrounding the event and that go, going back, you know, 
many, many miles away from the beach. It's really hard to even pay attention to anything that's going on in the water because it's, it's just such a freak show on steroids everywhere else. There's just so many people gathered. It's like being at a festival with no music playing, just someone pumping along on a, on a fat little trying to, on a fat little wave trying to make it to the shorey. I went up there to cover it once and I didn't ever have my feet hit the sand. Just, <laughs> just didn't go. <laughs> and I still wrote about it. Yeah, people really care about what happens though. I mean, it's, it's, that's what I'm trying to understand here. It seems like just this nothing event in shithouse waves yet it has all this gravitas and I think it's just the, the list of winners and the, the lineage, the history. It used to be the OP Pro and then every legend has won it. But I, I'm a bit confused as to what's happened there. I mean, in recent years, it's, it's more or less just looked like a local Huntington Beach board riders. Brett Simpson's got a couple of trophies. Kanoa oh, yeah. Igarashi has won. And that was pre-Olympics Kanoa Igarashi. So he was kind of a much, almost a nobody at that point, despite being a world tour surfer. So... Yeah, it just the, the the pedigree of winners has sort of fallen away. Maybe it'll come back this year. One of the most interesting things about the US Open is that the Australian and New Zealand competitors might have to spend up to seven months on the road to to be on tour. The people that are competing there now, if they qualify for tour, they really just don't know when they'll be able to get home. With the schedule and with the quarantine and with how hard it is to get flights, people literally flew over there just with no idea when they could return home, which is pretty wild and unprecedented. I'm jealous of that though. That's I've done year-long trips and it's, it's the best thing you can ever do, unless they've got a, a family at home or something. I mean, I'm sure they'll miss people, but it also sounds like a pretty goddamn good time. Might, they would have to embrace it. And I did, I wrote a story on Stab Premium about this and I talked to a few people, including Connor O'Leary, who him and Wade Carmichael are two of the people that might have to spend the longest time on the road because they've already been away since the Corona contest in Mexico. Um, and he was having a good time. I mean, he he said, yeah, it's crazy. It's Flights are fucked. Everything's weird. But <laughs> he's just been like going to baseball games and having a blast. So he's, you know... He's not in your your prison island nation, the the UN <laughs> Conan Hayes thing. I'm jealous of him. Well, get on the QS then. What's stopping you? Or CS, sorry. Yeah, that's going to be hard, isn't it, to get used to saying CS? I mean, it won't be hard for us because we're a CS podcast, so we are. We'll obviously get our reps in, but for everyone else, how what's the timeline here before it's going to fade? The QS is going to fade away. Well, I think I'm pretty sure it's just the CT now, right? And you could still say WCT. It's almost more fun to say WCT. So I do think we're going to have a few years of calling it the QS still. Uh, I think we get three years of it. All right, guys, this is it. <laughs> we have two ultimate surfers. We have two. We have a male and a female. Their names are Zeke Lau and Tia Blanco, and they are the champions of surfing's most elaborate reality TV show. Is the CEO of the World Surf League, Eric Logan. Thanks, Jesse. Just want to say to all of you, it's been amazing to watch you compete, and I can't wait to see the top two on the WSL Championship Tour. And it's done. It's done. It's over. Well, that's great. 
Yeah. Congratulations uh, to our ultimate servers. Congratulations to them. Uh, one thing that's interesting here is they both won 100K and then three wild cards to the start of the 2022 season. And for Zeke Lau, that, that just means he qualified. Like the first three events are Pipe, Sunset, and Portugal. He's going to do well enough there to get wild cards into Australia. Then he'll make the mid year cutoff and like, He's he's just on tour. He made tour from this reality TV show, which is pretty wild. Oh, that's the best. When I when I interviewed Dana White, friend of the show, Dana White, for, oh, yeah. when this show was first announced, one of the things I I asked him was was like, hey, how are you going to determine whether this is a success or not? And he just said straight up, the show will be a success if you get to season two, you know. And if it gets to season two. It's going to be massive for the sport of surfing. The feedback's been pretty atrocious. What do you, what do you think? Is is ABC? How does it look from ABC's eyes? Are they? Are we getting a second season here? Well, so I was looking around earlier, and a website. I don't know if they're just they have good SEO or whatever it is, but I keep kind of clicking on these articles by this outlet called The Wrap, which seems to cover a bunch of TV, and. I don't think the ratings have been going great because the rap had stories saying ultimate surfer gets beached and ultimate surfer wipes out, which I just found hilarious because those are two shit kind of word plays, but the rap is awesome. And they don't, they don't even know what they're sitting on there that they already have a great kind of surf wordplay thing going on and they're relying on wiping out. And so according to these people, it's not going well. Uh, so I'm not sure if our friend of the program, Dana White, is going to be thrilled. Mm, that's disappointing. Well, I mean, it's it's the sh- biggest shortcut to the world tour that we've ever seen, and Zeke's done it the hard way, so he's proven that he can. But now he's he's just slipped on through with just getting to have a bit of fun on a reality TV show, and then Tia Blanco is she, what's her story? Is she is she gonna how's she gonna fare on the on the world tour? She, she's got a shot. I mean, she's a great surfer, no doubt about it. Um, when you look at that first half of the year, because you know this year is going to be hard on rookies anyway. You have five stops to make it to, you know, the the top half of the tour, or else you're cut off. Um, even if you look at somebody like Jack Robinson this year, who ended up winning an event, he was not going well at the start of the year. He, I don't think he would have made that mid year cutoff, mm. and he was good enough to win an event. So. It's going to be hard. I specifically called Zeke out because, you know, Pipe and Sunset, like Sunset especially, like he has a really solid chance of winning there, especially if there's big waves. Yeah, that's awesome. I like Zeke. Yeah, yeah. And he's on tour. He'll win Sunset. And if he doesn't, then I never said that and nobody will remember it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just quickly, everyone knew Zeke won ahead of time, right? Did the general public know that or just surfers? Uh, I think just surfers knew. Uh, but then the general public wasn't watching, so it didn't seem to matter anyway. Yeah, it didn't really phase the people who just have never known about it and carry on <laughs> their lives. But I remember I was at uh, I was at working at Quicksilver shortly after it had like the filming had completed. You know, he, he knew, and I think I think he had a contract negotiation going on, and he had to. I think he did a really good job of saying it without saying it but i remember Mm. it was pretty funny because obviously you get 
it's a different conversation if you're competing on tour. Um, <laughs> we knew that he had done the ultimate server and he's kind of just like, yeah, well, I mean, I'll, you know, going into the next year, it's probably going to be a thing. Like he, he never said that he won, but he, uh, he suggested that he'd be on the tour. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he, he gave himself a nice fat bonus for qualifying or he worked that into his contract. <laughs> A couple yep. of little winks and nods over the table. I like that. Yep. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, it was it was known that he was going to win. What a time to be negotiating a contract. You've just won a reality show. You're just about to get back on on tour and you, your profile is going to go turbo. I mean, is it going to go turbo? Will he have a significant Instagram jump? I know there's going to be a story on Stab at some point covering off, you know, what this meant for the surfers involved and, and their in their Instagram profiles, et cetera. Do you think, given the show wasn't a huge success, that he will actually see that huge jump? Uh, I actually talked about this yesterday with the with Zach, who's been looking at all the numbers, and no, <laughs> uh, apparently wow. just not. Like, I think uh, I think people's following grew, but nothing like nothing. They had followings that were growing, regardless. You know, mm-hmm. I think they maybe got a little uptick, but nothing like uh, Italo at the Olympics who, you know, like doubled his following or gained 1.3 million. So nothing like that. No one was influenced. All right, guys, this is it. (laughs) Snapped 4 premieres this week. That is news. Have you seen the trailer? Have you seen much? Should we talk about this, Danny? Have I? <laughs> no, we haven't just spoken about it, but I feel like I've been hearing about this movie for 10 years. So it I'm is. definitely aware of Snap 4. I saw the trailer. Got me pretty excited. But, man, this thing has been a long time coming. Yep, 17 years in the making. Uh, 15 surfers. It's uh, it's finally here. And. The, whoever gets the last section, the winning surfer gets a, a hundred grand, right? So I guess we're going to find out who's actually nabbed that hundred grand. And I know that surfers have been really dedicated and and trying to craft the best parts. In particular, guys like Jack Robinson have he's been saying no to different projects here and there because he was collecting clips over the over the last couple of years. So I think everyone's parts should be pretty turbo. For sure. I mean, I feel like I feel like Jack's dropped a couple. Not even one. I think he's dropped a few, like, you know, snap for just B-roll, like, yeah, I'm not going to use this. My part's better. Clips that I've, like, I know have done well for Stab and have gained a lot of attention and are just fucked up good. So, yeah, I think his part will be hard to beat. The judging panel's interesting. You got Mick Fanning, Taj Burrow, and Bobby Martinez. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of all the bases covered there. Mick and Taj's surfing is really different. And then, I mean, Bobby's is, is as well. Yeah. I'm excited to see Clay Marzo's part. I feel like... Yeah. I just feel like of all the surfers on that list, that's one where you just never see Clay. And if he puts some time and effort into a part and he's just going to held on to everything, then that's going to be insane. Yeah. Clay had a B-roll, a snap four B-roll come out in April that had a lot of in- incredible clips and same thing as Jack. You just know he must be sitting on gold and he doesn't contribute clips to anything. So he must have he must have some some psycho shit locked away. I would love for him to win that 100 grand. I feel like one of the progressions of his surfing over the years is like it started with that kind of like fin throw layback where he's still kind of like 
you know, he's still over the board, but he's doing a pin throw layback and it's really complex. And then he kind of started kicking like the back foot off. I feel like he's just going to like kick his surfboard, just like detach completely and somehow get it back under his feet. Like <laughs> it's clearly going that way. If you look at his progression over the years, the fact that he's had a few years to refine it now, I think he's just going to kick his board as hard as he can and then somehow try to wrestle it back under his feet. He's oh, for sure. And then... It- in another decade, he'll be using a longboard leash, some like nine foot or maybe 11, 12 foot leash. And then he'll just be doing these flyaway layback <laughs> kickouts. His board will wash up on the shore and then he'll somehow reel it back in and stand on it again. He's, he's, I mean, he has not got any less limber as he's aged as well. The elasticity and his ability to pull himself up and out of crazy situations and he snaps into the barrel and... Like, he's just such an elasto man. I can't, I can't quite get my head around how he's maintained that. I almost feel like he's getting more and more that way. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's incredible. It doesn't make sense. So that is premiering uh, with the U.S. Open in town. That's premiering on Friday in that area, I think in Newport or Huntington. And uh, it'd probably be a hell of a party too. So... Something to check out if you're there. Well, hey, I've got a question for you. I watched in the trailer, there's, I noticed that there's a wave pool air in the trailer. And, and this is the first full length section based surf film that's come for some time. And especially one of this magnitude that people are really, really going hard at. And in, in the time since there's been um, none of these section based surf films, wave pools have come along. And so now this is the first one. How do you feel about wave pool airs and tricks being included in a hi-fi edit? That's a tough one. We talked about this when I talked to this to a few of the Stab High competitors about this. And the consensus there was that you just have to bring it to the ocean, like in order for it to count, count. You know, if you do something in a wave pool, it's not going to really count until you do it in the ocean too yeah but i mean if somebody does something in a wave pool that they've just been sitting on we're all going to be really impressed by it like it's it's still going to have that wow factor whether or not it counts or not it's still going to have that like holy shit factor when you watch it for the first time so i don't think it's going to age well though i think that's fair yeah i I think i think it i don't think it counts i mean it's it's people are going to put it in and there's clearly wave pool waves in there, but I think they're going to be jarring. And I think as, as time goes on, I don't think any classic memorable surf parts are, are going to have too much wave pool tricks in them. I think, I don't know. It's hard. Cause if somebody has really been like, really been sitting on something crazy, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not going to age. Well, you'll freak out the first time. And then within like a few times of watching a section of that car right wave pool you know it will feel yeah. it, i don't think you'll be able to shake that like gimmicky thing you know yeah so especially jacob zayke just recently what did he do did you see that thing that he sent through to us he wanted us to post it yeah so so Z- jacob zayke is a can you describe that guy for me i'm i don't have the adjectives do you have any Oof. uh there's many adjectives there uh <laughs> I think humble is the first one that comes to mind. Humble. <laughs> so, so this, so for, I know you've probably heard this, but so he contacts 
uh, Zach, someone who works at Stab, and he's like, hey, I've done this trick in the pool. It's pretty impressive and it was pretty impressive. And it's it's something I think maybe only Wade Goodall has ever completed before and he did his in the ocean. But Jacob's done this trick and he contacts Stab and he's like, oh, hey, can, I'll let you guys post it exclusive and here it is. I'd be stoked if you supported me. Thanks. It's all nice. And then Zach receives another message off him. Hey, WSL. Uh, Stab think they're going to post this, but I'll, if you guys want to post it, I'll, I'll post. I'll give it to you first, the exclusive. He sent it to the wrong person, and it was just one of those classic text message fuck ups. And he just exposed himself as to be the, the extreme, extreme uh, hustler that he is. Which, um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, that that screenshot is just incredible. Like how how do you come back from just <laughs> Telling a person that you're trying to fuck them over. <laughs> like, yeah. how, what do you really, like, sorry's not really going to cut it. Like, you, you just have to own up almost and be like, hey, like, I don't even know what you do there. But yeah, that's, that's I guess, just part of who he is when he's not in surfing wave pools. Man, some of my favorite stories are people sending the text message, writing someone off and accidentally sending it to the person they're writing off. I feel like that's just, it's... Oh, it's just the wildest, most hectic shit. That one's not so bad. We all we, we kind of expected as much from him, so it wasn't like this huge shock. But uh, yeah, sometimes you hear some hairy stories about that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know somebody who once sent uh, a photo. We'll just say it was a photo intended for his lover at the time, and he misfired there and sent it to his mom. Uh, <laughs> Which is not, which is not what you want to do. All right, guys, this is it. <laughs> well, another news thing for Stab is we just announced Stab Highway, presented by Monster Energy. How's the knowledge thing I've ever done? I'm gonna stop crying. Day four, I've been hungover in a wetsuit. You will know this if you are a premium subscriber, which means you got an email which featured the rule book and some photos and a breakdown of what exactly Stab Highway is. And Danny, were you close? Actually, you were. You, you kicked it off. You were, you were involved there, weren't you? Yeah, I was there for the launch of it and, and all the coming up with the ideas and the challenges and bringing this whole thing in together. I guess the easiest way to describe it and the first thing people will think of is uh, Thrasher's King of the Road, which is it's been touched on in surfing. It's been attempted a few times here and there, but we wanted to do it and wanted to uh, and wanted to go big with it. And so we came up with sixteen surfers, thirty challenges over ten days. Uh, we divided those surfers in four teams. Yeah, I mean, King of the Road is just too good not to rip off. You know, it's like a, remember, remember when Family Guy came along, and apparently everyone that had an animation series didn't want to touch anything that the Simpsons had previously done because they were, you know, the gods in that space. And and so, and then Family Guy came along and was just like, no, fuck that. I'm just going to take what the Simpsons did, but then take it to the next level. And I don't know if we did that because it's pretty hard to beat some of the psycho shit that skaters do. But uh, one thing I was, what was pretty evident straight away on that first day was that these surfers were all going to go completely... Uh, bananas and they all committed to it like crazy and it was the stories that have come out of it are so fucking hilarious and psycho 
having a look at some of the, like, I've just been able to see some kind of early teasers and, like I said, the photos that went out to stab premium subscribers and things like that. And it looks so fun. And it looks like the the episodes are going to be so fucking entertaining. Uh, yeah. I, I, I partied I, with I partied with everyone on the first night after we did the we did a little presentation and, and went off and then and then met up with them on the last night and man I I mean I did two nights and I was done with you know for a long time I was ready to pack them in but they'd been doing it for 10 days and they were all so torched and they weren't it wasn't easy either like it was grueling they were living all together in these vans and burning up and down the coast and some of the challenges were like one of the challenges is tie a stake to your leg and swim across a river. And if you don't think that's like, I mean, I don't want to spoil one of the people's entries into that challenge, but if you don't think that's gnarly enough as it is, that's one of the most horrifying things I've ever heard. But what one of the surfers does as his entry into that is he just takes that to a whole nother level, which was, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of just hectic shit in there. Yeah, I mean, that one, that challenge is just, a lot of them are fun. And one thing I really like about the project is there are a lot of just surf-based challenges that are just legitimately fun to watch. Like, I saw one that was the most top hops you can do on a wave. And when you get a person like Chippa trying to do that, it's mind-blowing. He does, like, 20. Um <laughs> <laughs> so it like, you know, it actually brought out some good surfing too. But the steak one, I just, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. Yeah, I'd probably swim through a river with a steak, fuck it. But <laughs> it, Oh man, be there's scary. been a lot of shark attacks and deaths in Australia in recent times. And it's not as, yeah, it's not, it's not as a lighthearted thing to do. It's like, it's actually a, it's fucked up. You know, what's funny is like, I was talking to Sam Mack the other day about it about some of the surfers' different approaches. And he was like, I can't believe they did that. You know, that was just, like, that was fucking crazy. I'm like, you came up with the idea. Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> but it was so good. So I'm actually uh, one of the judges and, and the other judges are Ozzy Wright and Kai Neville. And I was chatting to Ozzy the other day when he was doing his judging and he was like, man, is this what reality TV is like? I've been missing out. Like, reality TV seems awesome. I'm going to start watching reality TV and I just imagined Ozzy getting all inspired on, on watching everyone's entries into this and then finding some other reality TV to watch and clicking on Ultimate Surfer. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's Stab Highway. It's coming soon. First episode next Thursday. It's it's going to be great. It's fucking awesome. I think Harry Bryant has a quote in the trailer where he just says, surfing has needed something like this for a while and I agree with Harry. <laughs> Yeah, surfing's needed something like this for a while. Just to prove that we're not all kind of jocks that spend all our time in a gym or driving around in an Audi wearing Gucci suits. It'll be on Stab Premium, so I feel like if you're sitting on the fence as to whether to subscribe or not, then uh, I think this one should tip you over the edge. If anything, it should. Can, you know. I mean, not to say that it's better than an Andy Irons documentary, Stab in the Dark, a million other great things that Stab's done, daily premium editorial, all the shit that comes out constantly from Stab. But, you know, if you're a bit of a degenerate and you're like seeing raucous shit, then maybe this is what will tip you over the edge. All right, guys, this is it. <laughs> we 
are doing a series called My First Million with Morgan Masson and Ryan Miller. They already did one installment, and they talked about the financial side of that crazy swell in Tahiti about a month ago, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I love that story. I don't know how you got those guys to be so honest about their cash and their finances and stuff. It was it was enthralling. Oof, if you think they went honest there, then look out for the the stories dropping this week. We we talked about just doing another just one installment, both their words, but they're just too good to do that. And so both of them pretty much wrote these like two thousand word things about how they got started in their careers and finance, all these things. And they're really, really open. They talk about, you know, having failed dreams, waking up at 3am, having panic attacks, all this shit. It's, they went above and beyond in terms of honesty. And those will be publishing Thursday and Friday, us time. So both of them are great reads. Keep an eye out, uh, and get smart financially, maybe. All right. I actually, uh, I wrote a little intro to them that's already live uh, at the time that we're talking. And it was funny because I I guess you could say that it's talking about finance is just not a normal thing for Stab to do. Obviously, we do things like the rich list and, you know, we'll talk about some surf brand money stuff sometimes too. But in terms of personal finance, like we just, we're a surf magazine. We don't really go there. Mm. Um, and so I wrote a little intro that explains why we felt it was a good idea. And really what I said was, I don't, like, growing up, like, my parents didn't invest money or talk about this stuff. None of my best friends do or talk about it. And I felt like it was really cool to be able to host this conversation on a platform where people are probably like me and might never think about this stuff. And all of a sudden, you're getting access to this information that you just wouldn't have come across otherwise because you're not looking at certain sites, you're not reading certain books, you're just, you're in your own little tunnel that doesn't exist there. So I'm, uh, I'm really happy to publish it and I hope people get a lot out of it. They're, they're entertaining stories, but at least for me, I definitely read them and thought, okay, well, there's definitely a lot more I can be doing on the financial side of my life and reading their words is pushing me to do that. So it's cool. Yeah. A lot of people are going to read this and then become a surf photographer. Why aren't, yeah. why aren't I a millionaire yet? <laughs> no, I know that's not what it's about. No, it should be. It should be. I think that should be the <laughs> takeaway too. All right, guys, this is it. <laughs> All right, should we talk about a surf sin? Let's do it. Oh, I, I mean, I always love them, but I really like this one. Yeah, we've actually got some, some talking about surf photographers. We've actually got some surf photographer royalty with a, an admission into... It's our first kind of like high-profile surf scene, which I'm pretty happy with. It is. It is. We have a name chiming in, although I've heard maybe this will help push people because I've heard from a few others that, oh, like I have one, I just need to record it. So I think maybe Jimmy Kane here will, um, will spark a little something for us. Yep. So anyone who doesn't know Jimmy Wilson, he's phenomenal photographer, videographer, and just surf brain and mind. He's a contributor to Stab Premium. He, he penned some words. He had a re- really great recap on the final stay at Lowers recently. He shot a bunch of video you probably saw, photos you probably saw, and he's always been an opinionated and really 
clever motherfucker when it comes to surfing and surf culture. So let's let's hear his surfs in. Fucking Danny, this is Jimmy Wilson here. Wanted to confess a surf sin I committed a long time ago. It's kind of been bothering me now that I've been thinking about it, but I always go on trips and I'm shooting photos or I'm shooting video, but I would tell myself I started this job because I'm a surfer and I wanted to go on crazy trips and surf good waves. So I have to paddle out at least once every trip, hopefully multiple times. But I did this trip to South America with Cristobal, Balaram, and Chippa a long time ago. And it was kind of big and cold, and um, we were just – it was just us. There was no one else to really paddle out with. I was shooting when those guys surfed. So on that trip, I did not get a session in. And I feel bad about it. I, was, I wasn't injured. I could, I could have went out. I just didn't. So I'm just wondering – what should my uh, punishment be for this? Uh, don't go too hard on me, guys. Appreciate it. What do you think of that, Buck? Whew. That is a sin. That is a sin, <laughs> and there's no two ways about it. He's a very, very bad boy. And He's a bad boy, and he needs penance. You know what I've always thought? I wrote an article that mentioned this once but i've always thought about surf photographers as living in some sort of like permanent hell like they're volunteering into this health course but it in the same and it's like this it's the same way that uh, going to a strip club is 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 like a kind of a hell you know you go to a strip club and it's designed for maximum arousal that can can't be realized and it's it's just this state of perpetual torture and i feel like surf photographers do that to themselves they live this life traveling around the world to nature's best strip clubs and then barely getting to surf them. And I'm glad to hear that Jimmy does actually paddle out and surf. But, I mean, the fact that he didn't in, in this occasion is, uh, is certainly, certainly, uh, he's certainly due for some punishment. Yeah, well, I've always had a thing where I make a point that I try to end every trip on a especially good wave. I mean, I kind of do this every session anyway. Like, if you get a horrible wave or just surf really poorly you know, you, you don't want to go in on that. Um, and I make it even more of a point when I'm on a trip. Like I try to really get either a good wave or surf really well and be like, okay, like, you know, I know my flight is later on this day or I know it's tomorrow morning. I know this is my last session. Like I, I make a point to have that, that little moment. And I think when you listen to him, you hear like he, he wanted to surf. Like he, it was in his head. I'm sure during the time that he was there, he knew like, okay, yeah, I'll go get a wave at some point. I bet he even had some windows and just, you know, it wouldn't be a sin if somehow it was just the busiest trip ever and that window just didn't exist. Mm. I think he clearly, you know, he had the chance to and he missed it. Now he's living with that guilt. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, in terms of a punishment, whew, you got anything in mind? You know, I think his penance should be the first thing that came to me, and this might seem really basic, but to me, it's just a really obvious. And you know, I think it, I think it works. I think his punishment should be that he should have, he should get the highest profile surfer he can that he's shot photos with previously, and 
get them to shoot photos of him surf. Oh, and I think it has to be. It can't be just average surf. It can't be, you know, some sort of tokenistic um, effort. He has to. I think he has to. It has to be semi cooking, ideally pumping, and he's got to get a pro surfer to snap a couple of frames for him, paddle out without a board, with a housing, shoot water, no like shortcuts, like by, you know, just holding a tripod on the beach while he catches a couple, like go to the full effort of asking that surfer to do that really difficult, that really, it's a fucking difficult task, asking a pro surfer who, they all just have this insatiable appetite for surfing, which I guess is, it shouldn't be surprising because that's probably how they get to be so good at surfing. But if anyone's ever been around a, a, a pro surfer that, you know, around really good waves when, and they can't surf. It's 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 a it's a pretty um, yeah. It's it's not that's they're not really open to the idea of doing any other activities like especially paddling out in the surf and shooting photos. So, I think that would be a, a fair penance. That is better than mine. I was just gonna say surf every day for a month, but now that I get thinking about yours, uh, Jimmy has a good relationship with Kelly Slater. Uh, oh, from no. Florida, they've known each other for a long time. So, do you think we flex a little bit, like just to get Kelly to take one photo of him? Because I mean, it's Kelly Slater; it's not just a run-of-the-mill guy. Um, or do you think that Kelly needs to shoot Jimmy for a full session still? I, I don't know. If he, if he can get Kelly, obviously, one photo <laughs> is sufficient. But I mean, Kelly might. Kelly, his work with the GoPro is pretty inspiring. He might even. He might even revel in the fact of getting out there with the housing. I, I was on a trip once and Jack Freestone grabbed photographer Duncan McFarlane's camera and was happy to just uh, – so the waves were tiny though, so it's, maybe it's a different story. But he got a really good snap of Duncan surfing. So I have seen it done and embraced by the surfers. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, Kelly would be – that would be the ultimate penance resolution if he did it. That would be. That would be. And I'd be happy with just a photo, you know, or even I think the GoPro thing could be perfect. Jimmy DeCain, he does a lot of uh, follow cam stuff. So, you know, out doing a follow cam with Kelly. Hey, Kelly, like, you know, <laughs> maybe you hold the camera this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think there's good penance. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. So, Jimmy, Kelly, good luck. Uh, we look forward to seeing what you guys come up with. Yeah. Hey, also, we had, we had an email from a guy named Brenton. And it's, it's a sort of a loosely about surf scenes. He, think, he said, I think the biggest surf scene in surfing podcasts is the fact that Spit introduced a segment called Scales of Justice, i.e. David Lee Scales. And the fact that co-host Scott Bass pretended like he didn't know where the concept came from. I believe that he also used the terminology sins. So that's what Brenton wrote in. I think he's trying to get some inter-surf podcasting beef going. Uh, it's just like another surf podcast that recently started a segment. And Brenton's claiming that they copied us. I don't think, uh, by the sounds of things, I don't think that sounds like they copied us. I kind of think it's funny when people think that everyone's copying them because the chances are they, you know, ideas aren't that hard to come by. What do you think, Buck? Have we, have we got a, a, some sort of crime going on here? Um, it was, it was, they use the word sin. Well, that's what he said. I don't know. Okay. Uh, there's, well, there's sections called scales of justice. Ah, uh, okay. 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 Hmm. Well, I was going to say, I, I didn't understand initially, but um, we did invent the word sin. Just so you know, we have an ongoing uh, 
an ongoing lawsuit with the Catholic Church, actually, um, <laughs> uh, over <laughs> their use of that. Uh, but scales of justice, yeah. I'd have to I mean, listen to see, but... Yeah, it seems to me like they're clearly inspired by the legal system and true crime in that world. I mean, we're, we're inspired, like you said, I mean, we're in beef with the Catholic Church, but we're inspired by religion and guilt and things like that, you know? Like, we're inspired, we're inspired by the great religions of the world and priests and um, just pedophiles in general, really. Yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> pedophiles <laughs> and election fraud. <laughs> that is our real passion. And, of course, the championship tour. No, no, the Challenger Series. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I, got the, um, I got the first letter right. <laughs> well, I think we said that we have three years to kind of mix everything up, so... Yeah. Yeah, no, fuck. Yeah, all right. I've got three years to get my hand around that. CS, CS, CS. All right, Buck. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Thanks, Jimmy Wilson, for sending in your surf sin. That was great. I hope we get to see some visual proof of her penance. And if anyone has any other surf sins, then please send them in. Our emails are in the episode description. Any final words, Buck? That is all. Just, um, I'd love more sins. I, it's so fun. We've we've already got one for next week, but I'd love uh, I'd love more because we want to we want people to heal. You know, we want people to heal. Oh, actually, on that note, uh, I don't know how we didn't talk about this yet. Fuck you. I've just I haven't been showering in hot water, and it's been kind of cold here this week. So, not not fuck you, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I have three more days, but it hasn't been fun. Ha! That was Bark referring to his own penance that he's currently suffering through at the moment. He gave us a surf scene last week, and his penance when he's not allowed to use boiling water or he's not allowed to heat water in any way for ten days. So he's over there in France having some cold showers. If you have a surf scene. Please submit it to either Buck or myself. Our emails are in the episode description. And you might have also noticed that the, epi- uh, the, the audio transition that I was using previously was gone this week. And I think it will continue to change. It will continue to be a fluid thing because after some, some complaints, I, I asked if we should change it, if it was annoying people. And I've never received so many emails about anything in my life. I was completely blown away how much people care about 1.5 seconds of audio that they – have to listen to in the podcast. Uh, I guess it's looped, so you hear it more than once. But man, there was actually probably more positive emails saying people that they, they didn't mind it. But the people that hated it, they really hated it. They can't believe how many words people were penning about something so small. I think someone even used the expression nails down a chalkboard. So given the passion for of, and the amount of hatred uh, for those people who don't like it, I think it's I think it's com- com- officially toast. So please send in any sound bites if you're handy with that kind of thing. Uh, also send in some correspondence. Mine and Buck's emails are in the episode description. For now, let's hear from Mike and Stace and Stab's big announcement for 2022. La la la. And welcome back to the Stab Cusp. That is the currently untitled Surf Podcast. Uh, Stacy Galbraith, how are you doing? Can we call this season three? Do we need a new theme song? Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. 
Yeah, it's the. I mean, well, do we want to start that? And now that's got to start in January, doesn't it? Mate, we don't roll on the calendar season. We roll on the oh. world tour season. That's what that's what you wake yeah, up for in the morning, I guess right? That's true. All right. Well, let's call it season two point five. I'm not fully convinced yet. Um, I want to see how this Challenger series goes. Okay. But on that, before we completely separate ourselves from the end of the 2021 Championship Tour season, I've been doing some thinking about the WSL finals. And I feel like a lot of the big questions were answered for me. Like, um, is it a fair format? At least this year, you'd have to say yes, considering who won and the way that it played out. I guess that's still up for debate. We'll see how future years pan out. But um, I'm on the side of yes, it's it's fair enough. Um, was it fun? Absolutely. That was like an incredible day of surfing, of surf spectating. Um, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time and couldn't look away, not the least of which was because uh, Kelly and Mick were on the mic most of the time as well. So it was incredible in that sense. And then is it good for our sport? You'd have to say yes. That was the most viewers that the WSL has ever had for an event, even better than Chopes in 2014, better than the Pipe Masters when Gabriel and Italo were going up against one another. And in terms of like the progression of surfing, uh, I would say that Italo, or not Italo, Felipe and Gabby's performances absolutely brought it to another level. So on every front, I think it was a success, and which we talked about in our last episode. But there's one question that I'm really genuinely curious about. And that is, do you think that this new WSL format where you have to win in the finals is going to allow people to amass more world titles than they would have otherwise? In other words, is it going to be easier now for a future surfer to match Kelly Slater's 11 titles than it would have been in the old format where you had to win at the end of the season or where you had to win across an entire season versus in the last event? So... Go. What's your opinion? It's such a great question. Um, one that you could easily just answer with, well, you can't really compare, you know, call them dynasties. It's it's not fair to compare one back to the other or one from an earlier era up into this one. You know, look at MR, like he won four titles back to back. I wonder what he would say. Uh, he's so humble that he would probably say that it's much harder now. Uh, but it is such a gnarly question. Um in the sense of years on the road, you're still going to need a lot of time. Are you suggesting that this new format it creates a bit of a safeguard for the best guys, right? It's almost like they're not going to come up against a crazy wildcard at pipe to potentially lose a title or lose a title to a guy that was never really there for it. And therefore, if they're ahead of them on the ratings, the statistics would be they're probably going to beat them wherever this you know new format gets played out at. I just was thinking about it all morning. You know, Mick, Joel, Kelly, Taj, Andy. How does that stack up against Gabriel, Italo, Philippe, John, John? And and just to be clear, I, I don't want this question, because it could get really muddied really quick, I don't want this to be about, is the talent pool better now than it was then or whatever. Like, I don't want it to be, like, based on the other surfers around. I'm just saying for an individual surfer, 
is this format more conducive to winning a bunch of world titles than having to perform the best over an entire season? I still don't know what the answer to that question is from my perspective. I think that... Well, if it makes you feel any better, I asked people who would probably have a better idea of this than (laughs) (laughs) you and I combined. Um, I actually asked Mick Fanning, three-time world champion, and Kelly Slater, 11-time world champion, for their thoughts. And Well, I guess we can just go straight into Kelly's. Um, So... I mean, he gave some really great and interesting insight in that little tidbit, but I don't know if he ever really answered the question. And I think that that's probably by design because the question is really difficult is what I'm getting at. And, you know, even we go to Mick and Mick's answer was essentially, I'm not exactly sure if it will be easier or harder, not until we see a few more. The one trend that I did see is there wasn't much movement in the rankings. I think Felipe was the only guy to actually beat the person ranked above them. But if we look through history, there haven't been too many people that have run down the rankings leader. So maybe that might be the case here. In saying that, though, I think there will be more people who come from down the rankings to win depending on locations. I think we will see people catch fire in the second half of the season. That will give them momentum into the finals. It's never going to be easy because it's the best against the best. I think we'll just see amazing surfing each and every time. So both Mick and Kelly put a really big emphasis on location. And we actually did another piece recently that talks about where future WSL finals locations might be. Um, You can find that on the site as well. But yeah, they they don't even, they can't even offer like a really firm opinion on this either. So don't feel too bad if you don't feel like you can choose one side or the other. The one thing that I keep, I keep on coming back to is statistically, without actually doing any stats, <laughs> it seems easier because it is one day, all the eggs into one basket, there's less variables, uh, you're fighting against the same guys and, and women in the same um, atmosphere, same same event. It's all, it's all in front of them. There's no other real wild cards that could come and you know muddy the waters or or create an upset but in saying that that's sometimes what's gifted people titles before so i don't know yeah it's um i guess the other point to that would be it's it's harder to like what mick said chase down that ratings leader um for a few reasons you've got to surf a few extra heats potentially um they're obviously the ratings leader for a reason they're a lot harder to beat than say if you were the number two seed going into pipe or the last few events uh you're going to be coming up against one of the lowest seeds in the whole event so yeah whereas the number one seed might usually come up against a crazy wild card it's it's so uh it's a really hard question it's a really good it's a really really good topic there mikey thank you yeah so i i mean for me what was most interesting is that Neither Kelly nor Mick really focused on the psychological side of this question because I think back in those days, like Kelly could win an entire season pretty much just on surfing ability. Like he was just able to outsurf everybody else on tour over the course of a season. But it's easier to do that when you're the best surfer over a long period of time rather than having to perform on one specific day, because anybody can lose on a specific day, right? Depending on conditions, depending on your mindset, whatever it is. Whereas 
the new format, in my mind, it really hurts a surfer who is not the most confident, but is very skilled. And I don't want to speak out of school here, but based on what we saw a couple weeks ago, I would maybe put Carissa Moore into that category, who she's clearly the most talented, but she doesn't have that full, like, just I'm the best, I'm going to smash everybody mindset. Um, And she almost paid the price for it. And I think that it really benefits the surfer who truly believes that they're the best and they can go out and win any heat at any given time against any given person. So in my mind, like Gabby should be in the top five every single year for the next 12 to 15 years minimum, right? He's got three world titles already. I see him as a person who could really just step up and be like, all I need to do is get in the top five at the end of every year. I don't even need to focus that much on the regular season. Like, cause we actually have an article of him potentially pulling out next year just because of how intense his life has been for the past you know, decade and a half of following professional surfing. And this could actually be a really easy out for him where maybe he surfs only six or seven events a year, gets a bunch of quarters and semis and finals, makes it into the top five, and then just shows up to finals day with just full of swagger and just stomps people every year or maybe every other year or whatever it is. But over time those add up. And I think the math is really in that person's favor if you are that person. But he could just do that in a regular season too if it wasn't this format. But that's what I'm saying where the the mental side, like he's already saying that he's mentally fatigued from years and years and years of being so focused throughout an entire season, whereas now he doesn't necessarily have to do that every year. He can focus super hard on one event. And I think you could sustain that for decades. But and he's good enough to get in that top five surfing at maybe 70% commitment mm. throughout a year. You know what I mean? So this could be a perfect storm for Medina to just start rattling off world you've, titles. You've got a good point. Like, I see what you're saying there. He could focus for the start of the year, miss a few events in the middle and just recharge and then come and do the finals. We saw that with Mick when he, uh, you know, didn't want to take the wild card from V. The guy had surfed a couple of events and just looks, you know, the world champs really are. Uh, a level above and, and Gabriel's no different. So I, I definitely see your point there. The psychology one's an interesting thing for me though. Like confidence is a, is a funny word. Um, getting back to the Chris thing, like you, 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 you got to be careful not to stereotype a person that can only win world titles to being a mongrel dog. Like you, you can have a demeanor that is the opposite of that and still convert and I think, uh, you know, I think she has done that. Yeah, absolutely. But she also has discussed how in years prior, like she just hasn't had the confidence that her ability should afford her. You know what I mean? So um, it's just everybody's different on so many different levels and everybody is going to approach the year different, WSL finals day differently. So I don't know. This is a question that we might not have an answer to in 10 years or 20 years or ever, but it's, um, yeah. This is one benefit of the new system that they've come up with is that it's, it's creating so much conversation. Everyone that I spoke to after the finals, um, was so stoked about how it all went down. So, um, yeah, I think that moving forward, uh, they're going to maybe make tweaks to obviously locations and, and, and maybe some small adjustments along the way, but it's it's looking like a pretty good platform for us to see. I had um, 
a gentleman, Sam, uh, write me a message and say that, um, you know, whether you win from, you know, in any other sport, whether you win from fourth or first, um, it's still way better than clinching early. So he's all for the last day. He feels like clinching early is um, sometimes a, it would take the, the wind out of your sails, whereas going into that last day, going into battle, and 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 whether you 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 hang on to the lead and win or come from way back, he 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 still seems to think it's it's a lot better than than just it being a fizzer and there being no showdown. Yeah, and it's so understandable too. Like, I mean. Not that we should necessarily be pandering to non-surf endemic fans, but like it's just so simple to tell people like, look, these people perform the best over the course of the year. Now they have to surf against each other in this final day that's like kind of like a round robin, but it's seated. You know what I mean? Like it's just, I don't know. And it's cool. And it worked. They got so many viewers. It's incredible. So uh, again, I was a proponent and then I got a little bit nervous, but then I saw it all happen and I'm... Um, Super into it. Where's WCL the tattoo? Finals for it's, life. it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Stacy, I have um, a little bit of breaking news, and we're actually getting this early. Um, this is not going to be announced in, for a couple of days anywhere else. So the podcast is the only place that people are going to learn about this. Are you ready for our big announcement for 2022? just want to preface this with we are the center of breaking news so (laughs) keep your ears peeled take it away mikey all right so in 2022 stab is officially announcing actually in 2021 we're announcing but in 2022 we're starting a new property called stab edit of the year so i'm gonna read you brendan buckley our editor-in-chief's preamble on the post that is going to go live in a couple days, just so you understand where we're coming from. The video part is the hallmark of our culture. The chemistry of high-octane surfing combined with slick editing and a moving soundtrack has a unique capacity to embed itself into surfing's collective consciousness and inspire us all to surf more. When it's done well, a video part's impact can be as seismic as a contest win or even a world title. It is, however, an endangered species. So, Instagram killed the video star, um, and we want to bring back full-length surf edits. Um, And to do that, we are going to incentivize surfers to put together a part that is between 5 and 15 minutes, um, and we're going to do that by offering a Bitcoin, a full Bitcoin, to the edit that is voted the best at the end of the year. Um, And the way that that voting process is going to work is every single quarter, so every three-month period throughout 2022, we're going to have voting by our STAB premium audience, who are some of the most um, engaged and knowledgeable surf fans on Earth. They're going to pick their three favorite edits from that quarter, so that'll give us 12 at the end of the year then stab us we are going to pick three of our favorites that didn't make the cut three wild cards so that brings us to 15 edits at the end of the year and then when we go to do our stab surfer of the year poll which we do in hawaii every year and we ask 50 of surfing's most influential figures 
who they thought was the best surfer that year, what was the best film, blah, blah, blah. Um, these five, 15 edits are going to be placed in front of them and they will choose. And whoever gets voted by those 50 people as the best edit of the year wins a Bitcoin on us. Thoughts? Um, wow. I definitely think that is a big enough incentive to be icing your clips, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I should, I should clarify that, um, all clips and edits that are submitted need to be unseen. So nothing that's been on the internet, nothing that's been on Instagram before. So as you said, yes, this is an incentive to ice your clips. Um, and just for a point of reference, Bitcoin's current price is floating around $45,000. Um, the Bitcoin has already been purchased and whether it's worth $10,000 or $150,000 in December of 2022, whichever surfer has the highest uh, voted edit will get that Bitcoin and they can do with it as they would please. Can you enter, can we enter our joyrides? <laughs> uh, joyrides, no. No stab created film can be entered in this. However, if you want to go out and just make your own surf edit using surfer, Surfline Rewind cams and solo shots and all that, you're absolutely welcome to submit a clip. Um, but at the end, there will be a maximum of 52 clips allowed, one a week. And anybody can submit a clip, but it is our discretion whether or not a clip is ultimately accepted, which is basically just whether or not you meet the criteria and there's going to be a whole list of rules and criteria posted on our site that any surfer, filmer, whatever can look at. And also just a quality assessment um, because we want to make sure that everything that we're getting is, you know, top of the line. So um, surfers, rev your engines. Get out there. Get Start filming some clips. Wow. It's coming into a nice northerly spring season here on the east coast of Australia. So I'm sure everyone's pretty fired up. That gets me to my next point. Can you enter an edit uh you know for a for a period of time a quarter uh what if you don't get the response you desire can you then enter it again in the next quarter or is it kind of a one chance entry kind of a deal no it's a one chance entry um here's what i will say if you think about just the logistics of it all and think about a bunch of people who are going to want to be clocking as good of clips as possible, um, you would assume that the back half of the year would be a little bit more heavy in terms of the amount of clips that get submitted. Um, so if you want to have maybe a better chance um, of getting through, you could always consider sending in a clip a little bit earlier and hoping that you know maybe people are, are going to hold on to theirs a little bit longer to try to get stronger footage and all that. So that's one strategy. Um, another is we're super open. We don't want anybody to feel blindsided or like they don't know what's coming. So we're communicating with a lot of the surfers that we want to see enter this. And we're kind of creating a calendar of sorts where we can put people's edits. And if you want to submit a clip, but you don't want it to you necessarily go in a period that's super packed already, you can email us, call us, text us, whatever. And we will let you know when looks like a good time for you to publish your edit. And like I said before, at the end of the year, if, you know, say one quarter is super, super lopsided, it has like 
all the best edits or whatever. Stab still has three wild cards that we can give away to edits that we think should have made the cut but didn't. So even if you don't get voted in by the Stab Premium members on the first go, you still have a chance to be in the running. So to get through your bracket, your quarter, you get voted in by the Stab Premium members. Correct. Yes, there will be a vote at the end of that quarter and all the edits that were submitted then will be voted on. And you then make it through to the final, where the final is voted by who? The final is voted by all the surfers and surf like industry heads that we um, poll for the Stab Surfer of the Year. So it's 50 people, you know, including the likes of Kelly Slater, Steph Gilmore, John Florence, Gabriel Medina, and then somebody like Jake Patterson, you know, who is super knowledgeable about the best surfing and all that. So... Uh, basically, the smartest minds and the most um, best surfers in the world are voting on who gets the best edit this year. And they will be deciding the winner of what will no doubt be a $200,000 USD Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I'd take my crypto advice from Stace Galbraith, but <laughs> if you want to, yeah, it could be 200 k I just get my crypto advice from Mitch Cruz, so it's just it's just re re uh, recycled information. Uh, wow, that is psycho. So, just to give our listeners and maybe any surfers that are thinking of submitting an idea of some clips that would qualify and probably be in the running to win the edit of the year, um, some of the recent ones from the past year or two would be. Um, by Default by Jacob Wilcox um, from last year in WA. Similarly, uh, Spirit by Jay Davies. Soft Serve by Kale Walsh. Cloud Chase by Albie Lair, Matt Miola, and the Florence Brothers. Um, Harry Bryant's Octopus Part. Sway by Josh Kerr. And this is a bit of an oldie, but one that I think really captures the spirit of Stab Edit of the Year in terms of just like pure quality would be Space by John Florence. Yeah, that's uh, no doubt going to be right up there. Uh, quality control is no doubt going to be high on your list of um, criteria. And I don't think anyone in the modern era has made more quality parts than, uh, than Mr. John John. But to any aspiring filmmakers out there, it's not the camera you stand behind, it's how you mm. use it. So don't be, don't be put off and by that. That is uh, a euphemism as well. <laughs> wow. No, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Getting on the, like, the filming of video parts and, and things like that, uh, because at the moment in Australia there's actually... Uh, uh, an Aussie title to be decided for the second year in a row by kids entering their video parts, which I think has, you know, um, awesome incentive to, to really go out there and show what you've got. So, um, so yeah, I, it's going to be, as gonna you be cool. speak about filmers as well, I wanted to say that um, surfers can only submit one clip to edit of the year to stab edit of the year per year. But if you're a filmer, you can submit multiple. So you can work with multiple surfers at the same time and produce separate clips um, to submit of those surfers. So, yeah, if you're a filmmaker listening to this, um, this is, I mean, you have to work out your own deal with the surfer in terms of uh, how that Bitcoin might be shared. But, yeah, this is a really great opportunity as well for filmers to get their product and their name out there. And... Also, I guess I should explain how these are going to be 
kind of proliferated to the world. So first, these films or edits are going to go on to Stab Premium for a couple of months, and they'll be posted on our Instagram and eventually voted on by the Stab Premium members. After that has happened, they will be transferred over to Stab's YouTube, and in that way, everybody who hasn't already seen them who isn't a Stab Premium subscriber can watch the edit, and hopefully it'll you know rack up 50 or 100,000 views on our YouTube, which is uh, pretty standard for Surfer's edits. So um, yeah, it's a huge, even if you don't win, you're actually getting a major kind of push from probably the biggest media house in surfing. So um, yeah, there's a lot of incentive either way. Yeah, and I think too, if you're an aspiring filmmaker or, or surfer, you know, your parts are going to be hopefully put alongside um, some of the greats. And, uh, you know, even if you don't make it through your heats, it's, you know, you're going to be comparing yourself to, um, you know, the best guys out there, which in the world that we live in now, it, it doesn't really matter if you're the best guy at your local beach, you've got to be the best guy globally. So this is a perfect way for everyone to showcase that. But this just reeks of the accidental billionaires, which is the book that was uh, then turned into the movie about the Facebook gang and this Bitcoin. I can just see it tearing <laughs> people apart. Filmers, surfers, the negotiations are going to be, it's, yeah, Tanner Carey is coming for your Bitcoin, boys. Uh, yeah, I would just make it simple if I were the editor and just be like, look, we split it 50-50. You do all the surfing, I'll do all the uh, other work and call it a day. But, um, yeah, you're right, it could get ugly. That could be part of the fun, though, no? I think it's going to be part of the story. Relationships <laughs> are going to be torn apart. Friendships lost. Wow. Exciting. Yeah. Wow, that's so trippy. It's such a – I've never really thought about, you know, different ways to give out prizes before, but uh, it's not the first time Stab's done something different, uh, unique. So this is going to be uh, a great, great thing to play out. I think everyone's probably going to be following the Bitcoin price mm. a lot closer now than what they were before. Absolutely. All right. So that is it. Stab, edit of the year. Um start filming right now you got uh so it's going to start actually i should say in december because we need to have it end in december 2022 so that we can have people vote in hawaii which um yeah people are generally there in december and so anyway that's going to be the window december to december um and yeah that is our breaking news (laughs) Um, that's amazing that'll be like a nice little wind down to the world title going down in september little bit of a breather and then the world title edit going down in december yep there you go so uh amazing what a calendar anyway. what a year we've got to look forward to after all what this shit show that we've been through the last 24 months this is brilliant yeah and uh right now so we're recording this on u.s thursday so we're on like day three or four or whatever of the u.s open have you been keeping an eye uh have you had your do, do your binoculars go that far <laughs> no they uh they definitely don't but i've been keeping a pretty keen eye on it um it's a pretty big opportunity for everyone with only being four challenger events this year if you can spike a result in one of them uh you are going a long way to qualifying for next year so uh you know the us open's not known for its quality of wave but the quality of competition is always pretty high a few buzzer beaters i've seen go down um I was watching the women this morning. Katie Simmers is next level. I love the way she surfs, and she's looking really, really strong at the moment. And then, um, yeah, a few other, few other youngsters are doing pretty well over there. Um, Alyssa Spencer and young Dimity Stoyle seem to be making a few heats, so it's all happened. Coco Ho smashed her heat. 
she came from behind. Eh? She had a really slow start and then finished really strong. Just ultimate ice oh, lady. No, she surfed today. She dominated. Oh, there we go. She's warming up. And I, I don't know if I just am like super, like I just haven't had enough surf competition. So I'm just fiending for anything. But I swear there's something so entertaining to me about Huntington events that are one foot and high tide. And you have to like catch a little barely breaking wave out the back and just hop all the way in. Like, I don't know. There's so much suspense in that. 15 seconds of hopping that you just don't know what they're going to get on the inside and it's like exciting every time even though the waves are as bad as you could ever imagine depending on how high the tide is is up to 80 percent of the score available with that one last turn and you're watching these crew come through to the inside just looking so nervous trying to find where the <laughs> safest place to hit is and it's just so heartbreaking when they get detonated because it's such a long paddle back out for what was probably going to be a 1.87 yeah. So, all right. Right now, we're in the men's. Uh, the men just finished their like second round or whatever, and the women, I think, are in their third. Um, so, do you have any picks? Let's let's pick a winner and see how we go. I think this podcast will come out maybe just a little bit before the final day. So, yeah, let's see how we go. Uh, I don't know that he'll win the event, but I'm certainly hoping he goes really far, and that's young Aussie Callum Robson. He's been looking pretty sharp, and it's his first big challenger event, and he's already made it through to the round of 24, which is massive uh, for, for a young Aussie to go over there and, and make a few heats. So hopefully he can keep it going. But for the win, um, I think Griffin is probably pretty fired up to win an event after uh, just falling outside the top five. So I'm going to go with Griffin in the men. And then on the women's side, yeah, I think Katie Simmons looked pretty gnarly this morning, so I'll go with her. Mm, okay. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I am – and I, I, don't, I don't even know if I'm like allowed to say this, but I have a bit of a fetish for Japanese surfing. I just think that they have such a unique style and like not to say that they all surf the same, but there is a similarity in Japanese surfers, I think you could say, in, in the way that they stand on the board and the way that they're able to compress and get super low. Um, so I've been loving watching Shun Murakami. I, was, I remember being super impressed when I first saw him in, I think it was the 2019 ISA World Games and he made the final and he's just like an incredible surfer. Um, and then... On that same vein, you can't look past Hiroto Ohara, um, who uh, I think he looks like better on a surfboard than 99% of the people in the QS and maybe even the CT. Like just how stuck he is to his board and how formed out he is. Like I just love watching him surf small waves. It's such a pleasure. So I'm going full Japanese on the men's side. And women's side. Oh, whoa, whoa. Gonna... Wind, wind your windows up a little bit there, champ. You can't pick the whole draw. Pick one guy. Who's going to win it? All right. Oh, God. I'm going to go Shun. I'm going to go a bit of a dark horse. Um, yeah, I see him going all the way. And then women's side. I, I kind of wanted to pick Katie as well, but since you've picked her, I'm just going to go Coco. Lovely. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, it's Way more exciting than what it should be, the U.S. Open. <laughs> it really is, yeah. And I feel so bad for everyone that loses because, like, most of the people that lose, like, everybody, nobody surfs, like, bad out there because everybody's doing kind of the same thing. Like, you're doing a couple turns out the back and then hopping to the inside and then either doing an air or a turn. Like, 
I don't know. It just, it seems brutal. Like, and you see these names go down and you're like, man, like they ripped so hard. They surfed really well in that heat for what the waves were. And still, it, I don't know. Challenger series is just hard, man. <laughs> like that is a mental hurdle that would be really hard to get over. Like how, like not just good, but almost how lucky you have to be to get results out there. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, it's a full heartbreaker, uh, that, that wave, um, you know, for instance, I've seen guys wait out the back with priority in, in second, holding off their competitor. Uh, a high tide lump comes through and you just have no idea about whether to go or not because you don't know what it's going to do on the inside. You let them go because there's no turn out the back and you just think, oh, well, you need a six. Good luck to you on the inside if you can make it work. And then they'll just like Cade Matson this morning just rattled off like three huge backside turns on the shorey, like one centimetre off from the beach. And it's like you just have no way of, you know, uh, ever really knowing the strategy is just so hard to manage out there and it, there's definitely a lot of luck involved. So yeah, that's why it is, I think, so entertaining. And uh, we haven't really gotten to talk much about the Challenger series. Maybe we'll get more into it next episode, but if you had to pick one male and one female that you think will for sure qualify this year, who would it be? And keep in mind that you actually have a pretty good chance because there's so few surfers in the Challenger series, relatively speaking, and there's a lot of spots to be earned into the CT. I think there's 12 on the men's side. So if you miss, that's a really, really bad look for you as a professional surf coach. Well, yeah, I'm going to really stick my neck out there. Not really, because um, going into the US Open, he was actually leading the ratings, and that's Dunny, Michael <laughs> Dunphy, he, because Banting's not there. Leo doesn't need it. Uh, and unfortunately speaking to Dunny, it got the better of him this week. He lost first heat and he just felt like, you know, it, it was weighing on him. What you just said there, it's a huge opportunity and there's no doubt about it that, uh, he's got a third he's already holding from Manly, um, a couple of years ago. And that is massive when you're only counting three results. The reality of the situation is for him to qualify, he really only needs to make a few heats at each event and it's looking pretty good for him. But having that pressure and, and knowing that, you know, I don't even need to win all these next events to qualify. I just need to, to show up. That's a hard one to manage. But I'm going to back him in. I reckon he can do it. But it's a different emotion to manage. It's not like you're, you know, it's like you're being chased. That's that's the hard one to, to, to keep your head down and, and keep your focus. It's not like you're doing the chasing and you, you can really get fired up over a target. It's like you are the target. But he probably won't be the target anymore. He just lost first heat. So um, that kind of... The monkey's off the back now. It's the first event back in, in this season, and it's it's time for him to, to get into Europe and just get it done before Hawaii, uh, which is always the case on the QE. You don't want to go into Hawaii needing a result uh, unless you're one of a select few surfers. Adam Melling comes to mind. Um, and then in the women, um, I'd like to see Timothy Stoyle get back on tour. I think she definitely is a tour-quality surfer. Unfortunately, her surfing gets a little lost on the QS sometimes just with the conditions, but... You know, around home the last two years, she's been on fire. And, uh, yeah, I think she, she belongs on tour. Cool. Um, I'm going Mr. Lobb, Liam O'Brien. I think um, he's just too good not to. He's done well in the U.S. Open before, and he's showed up huge in the CT events that he's – or I guess he's been in one CT event and one exhibition event that he made the final of that was basically all CTers. So, yeah, I think Lobb's time has come. Um, and then on the female side, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Katie Simmers would be the youngest 
person to ever qualify for the tour if she did it this year. Caroline was 15, but like an older 15. And I think Katie just... Uh, Caroline, by the time she surfed her first heat, was like 20. I swear (laughs) to God, it was was the wildest story. Like, I know she's super young and everything, but it was like she started the QS year at 12, but by the time she qualified, it was, you know, it's like she'd already won a title and she was 22 or something. But yeah, you're right. It's, she's definitely pretty young for sure. Um, and I don't know, like she's, you know, she was in Ladybirds this year just to like give you some context of like how young she really is. But at the same time, when I was watching her in this event and granted the waves are small, but she doesn't look like she is, like underpowered compared to a lot of these full grown women. Like she looks like a solid, solid surfer in every sense. And she also did really well at the, uh, super girl pro, um, last weekend. I think she got second to Caroline. Um, so I don't know, man, like it, it seems crazy, but I really think that she puts a couple events together. She can make it happen. Yeah. I, I, I like it. And I think that, um, I agree with what you're saying. She looks composed. You know, there's some surfers that come through that inside section from out the back and you just, you feel their nerves, but she's groveling so well. Her board looks amazing. And if she can get out of the gates here with a huge result to start the her season, um, yeah, the pressure's really on though because for her, I don't believe she competed in Manly and uh, they're only counting three events from four. So that's quite a, a strong success rate you need to have, but it's um, definitely achievable for a talent. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, we'll see how this all plays out. And the next time we chat, we'll have some winners to discuss. Um, but yeah, that's it for this episode of the Stab Cusp. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, Stace. And thanks to you for listening. See you next week. Uh, audibly. I've never been this happy in my life. (laughs) It's seriously a dream come true. It was amazing. Welcome back. Thank you. It's great to have you back on tour. Appreciate it. Yes! I won. I'm the ultimate surfer. And, you know, to be back on the CT, it's just amazing.